Good morning. Praise God. I would like to welcome everybody this morning. It's nice to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Before we proceed, I'd like to invite everybody for a word of prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are here this morning. For you said in your words that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in their midst. And Father, we ask that you will move in our midst, touch our hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move from the front to the back, from the left to the right. And I ask, dear Holy Spirit, that you will plow our hearts so that we will be receptive to hear your words. So that every word that will be planted in our hearts will not just be mere knowledge, but Father, they will grow and bear much fruits. Thank you, Father God, and we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We would like to welcome you back in our series on Minefield. Who among you are enjoying the series on Minefield? Okay. So we are actually on the 11th series on, on Minefield. And last Sunday, what was the 10th minefield that Pastor Insong shared? Purposelessness. Habakkuk says that my people are perished for lack of knowledge or lack of vision or lack of purpose. And many families, okay, they are living without purpose. Individually, sometimes we are out of God's purpose. And as a result, we experience some heartaches, some difficulties in life. And then we ask God, God, why is this happening to me? Mainly because probably we are not living the way God wants us to live. So this morning, I'd like to share with you first before I proceed. Probably you may ask, what is a landmine? I remember when my son DJ was first left the house for a military training. You know what I did? I watched a lot of war movies. I watched this movie, Bravo. Okay? Bravo is a story of British uh, infantry that was stationed in Afghanistan. And while they were patrolling the area, a landmine just blasted on them. And there was this guy, his legs were amputated. That is a landmine. A landmine is usually placed just before the surface of the ground, and it is designed to explode, usually by the weight of the vehicle, troops passing over it. You don't see the landmine from afar. It looks good. But when your weight steps on it, and you remove your feet on the landmine, only Rambo can defuse that landmine. Right? It will explode. And that is happening to many families today. We think that everything is good on the surface. We think that relationships are really nice. Relationship between parents and children are really nice. But one of these days, if those relationships, those things are left unchecked, they will just explode. And when it explodes, it will, it will result in probably death. Probably your feet will be amputated probably your hands will be removed or amputated. It can be very dangerous. Landmines are some of the worst creation humans have made. Nothing is worse than having the fear of being 
obliterated by an explosive hiding right under you that you can find. They last for decades and take time to disarm them. When landmines are planted in our families, when landmines are planted in ourselves, it takes time for that to be diffused. And sometimes you are not able to diffuse everything. Why? Because there's not only one landmine. There are several that are planted okay, all throughout the battlefield. Now, let's just have a recap of what we have learned as far as landmines are, concern, are, are concerned. It's called landmines or minefields. We have discussed about wrong relationships. Okay, that was the first series that we learned about landmines. We also talked about bad choices, excusitis, making excuses, immorality, addictions, immediatitis, or you call it immediate gratification, quititis, lack of endurance, identitis, or the identity crisis, entitletitis, entitlement mentality, and last week we talked about purposelessness, living without a purpose in life. So this morning, let's watch this video. Just hit snooze. Stay in bed with me a little longer. I can't be late again. Aren't you tired? Maybe you should call in sick and just stay home with me. Let's get back in bed. I don't like that one. It makes you look fat, and that color is awful on you. Why are you even here? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know either. Right, she's right. What are you talking about? He won't understand. Hey, pay attention to me. This work stuff is stupid and pointless. Why do you care about it anyways? I was like, it's kind of bad, dude. It's kind of bad, but they're doing a good job. Are you sure you want to do this right now? Please stay home with me. I don't even know why I'm crying. I know. I understand you. What's wrong with you lately? I don't know. I just... I mean, you've really got to snap out of this funk that you're in. Just come out with us tonight. That'll help. You're an idiot if you think that will help. Plus, you always act like I'm not around when we're with them. I gotta go. I don't want to be with you anymore. Will you just go away? You can't just walk away from me. Think of everything we've been through. No one knows you like I do. Okay, so what's our topic this morning? Anybody can guess? 
Our topic this morning is about the minefield of depression. And I have actually coined the title of, our, of my message this morning as Sorry, I'm depressed. <laughs> Disarming the minefield of depression. Disarming the minefield of depression. Depression is, you know, one of the most important topics, I believe, because many people are affected by depression in one, one way or the other. Some people get depressed very easily. Oh, my cell phone is dead. I'm depressed. That's not depression. It's your charger. That's not what we're going to talk about this morning. Oh, my boss is not talking to me. That's not depression. It's your performance. Okay? Depression affects many people, not only Americans, not only Filipinos, but across all culture. Depression. What is really depression? Now, this morning, now, if you go through Google, you will see a lot of topics about depression. This morning, we will look at depression on the lens of the scripture. What does the Bible say about depression? And how can we disarm depression? Now, according to statistics, there are about 7 out of 100 people who suffer from this type of illness, depression. Initially, I am of the impression that now that lives are, our lives are a little bit easy compared to 50, 100, and 200 years ago, people get less depressed. Why? In the olden days, when you want to call somebody, what do you do? You grab the phone, you dial, okay, oh, I forgot the phone number. Then you go to the directory. Do you guys remember that? My mother just told me about, you know, how it was before. Okay, nowadays, what do we do? Hey Siri, please call Bobby. Hey Siri, please call Pastor Insong. Right? So I was thinking, so life is easier. Life is, is happier. Oh, why is this calling? You see, Lumabas, Pastor Insong. Okay. Because my iPad is online, and when I said, hey, Siri, it dialed Pastor Insong. You know what? I'm so depressed. Okay. So to a large degree, the evolution of human beings has been a bit oxymoron. While arguably, in many respects, our lives were a lot more difficult some 20, 50, 100 years plus years ago. It seems that with all the advancements that we have made in order to make our lives easier, we are more stressed, stressed out now than ever before. That is according to the living healthy uh, uh, statistics. So we are, we are stressed in many ways nowadays. Okay? Stress early in the morning, 
stress even before we go to bed. We are stressed. Who among you here are not stressed? Oh, you're not stressed. Okay, now, we'd like to give you a warning. The devil's one objective is so to depress God's people that he can go to the man of the world and say, there are, these are God's people. Do you want to be like that? Definitely no. Last week, we had a COS meeting. And, you know, in our COS meeting, we were sharing some experiences. I would like to tell you a story that Pastor Insong shared last Saturday with a little modification. One day, of course, this is not in the Bible. This is just a story. This is from Mr. Insong's scripture. <laughs> One day, Satan gathered all his COS, his council of leaders. And he was telling, asking them, you know what? It looks like we are not very effective nowadays. Can somebody share with me what can we do so that we can be more effective in, you know, in, in deceiving people or having people sin? So everybody gave their suggestion. And you know, there was this guy. He was just so quiet. He was shy. And then Satan said, hey man, what about you? He said, you know, I'm so depressed. And Satan said, that's it. Depression. If we can send depression to every single Christian, we know that we can destroy the person and destroy the family. The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, so that you may have life and have it abundantly. The sole purpose of the devil is to kill, steal, and destroy you. Destroy the family. Destroy relationships. Destroy your work. Destroy friendship. Destroy the church. Destroy everybody. That's what the devil wants to do. And one of his potent weapons so that he can be successful is to send out depression. Why? Because if you are depressed, you don't have that energy anymore. Right? In the world of psychology, depression actually is a mood disorder. It is a psychological state that exists when the heart is pressed down and unable to experience joy. Those suffering from depression feel trapped underneath a dark, heavy blanket of sadness, grief, and hopelessness. So depression, according to psychology, it is a mood disorder. It changes your mood from one swing, or it swings from the extreme left or from to the extreme right. Now, depression literally means being pressed down to a lower position. It's just like carrying a heavy load, carrying a heavy burden. Depression does not come automatically. Sometimes it comes in a form of fear. Sometimes it comes in a form of anxiety. Sometimes it comes in a form of 
of problems, frustrations. And if these things are left unchecked, it piles up and it becomes a heavy burden. And when it becomes a heavy burden and we're not able to disarm it, it becomes depression. Sometimes depression is very fatal. It can cause us heart attack. It can cause us sickness. And I'm sure you have read in the newspaper of sin and or probably seen in the television that the recent shootings that we have here in the United States, some of them were caused by depression. So depression is very fatal. If it is left unchecked, it can ruin our lives. And in fact, the devil has been successful in destroying a lot of families and relationships already. It starts with little things. I remember in, if you guys, the fans of FPJ, ano sabi ni FPJ? Napupuno din ang salop. Little by little, when the drop water drops on the drum or on the container, it gets full. And when it gets full, it results in an emotional heaviness that literally weighs the heart. Literally weighs the heart. Now, let me show you some signs of depression. Loss of interest in usual activities. Okay? Feeling of guilt, worthlessness, hopelessness. Weight gain or loss. I like that, weight loss. <laughs> sleep disturbances. You cannot sleep. Depressed mood. Have you seen people who are walking as if it's always Holy Friday? Right? Hyperactivity. Lethargy. You know what lethargy is? What? It's before H. No, lethargy is a feeling of weariness, a feeling of tiredness. Okay? You always feel sleepy. Anxiety. You always cry. Little things, you cry. Slow thinking. Okay? And... Bad is suicidal thoughts. I got this from the National Institute of Mental Health. So these are the signs of depression. Now, if you can think straight, if you can feel anything, can even wheel yourself out of the blues, can find enthusiasm, getting up from bed, oh, it's Monday again. Oh, it's Sunday. I want to sleep more can find passion for God and in pursuing your purpose. Or maybe you feel burnt out. Probably you might be weathering the storm clouds of depression. Now there are two types generally of depression. You have the circumstantial and the chemicals. What's a circumstantial depression? Circumstantial depression is happens because of real-life experiences. Probably a loss of a loved one. Probably broken-hearted. Probably you just got divorced. 
probably you just got bankrupt in your business. Probably you had a great fight with your spouse. Probably you got a failing grade from school. Those are circumstantial things. Real things that happen in life that can cause depression. You also have chemical depression. What's a chemical depression? It is imbalance in hormones in your body. Okay? It is more of a genetic thing that can probably cause depression. Now, there are still many questions unanswered, but in my opinion, depression is more of an issue on spirituality. Because no matter what you say, if your relationship with God is not right, a lot of these things that affects or that causes depression starts to creep in into our lives. You know what? Depression does not discriminate a person. The moment you get born again, you become the devil's bullseye. It is not true that when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, life becomes a hallelujah. Well, in fact, the moment you got immersed into this water, the devil will put a target at your back. The moment you receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the devil will always be there to attack you. So depression does not discriminate anybody. Whether you are rich, you are poor. Whether you're a Democrat, you're a Republican. Whether you're a Filipino, Chinese, Russian, whatever you are, we are all susceptible or prone to depression. The Bible says in Luke 21, verse 34, it says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that they come on to you unexpectedly. Dr. Luke wants, uh, uh, warns us, being a physician himself, that we need to make sure that the things that weighs down the heart doesn't happen to us. And if it happens to us, let us immediately check them and try to disarm these things that are affecting or may lead to depression. Depression is a mental disorder. Therefore, depression is overcome by putting our minds in order. How do we put our minds in order? In short, the Bible talks of renewing of our minds. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is the mindset of this world? The mindset of this world is for us to be happy, is for us to have more money. For us to be secured, we need to have a very good education so that I can land a good job. The mindset of this world is when you are sad, you need to enter into such and such relationship. The mindset of this world is what? If you cannot, join, if you cannot win them, join them. 
That is the mindset of this world. But Romans says, we need to have the renewing of our minds. What does the renewing of our mind says? Uh, what does the renewing of the mind mean? That means we need to adapt to what the Bible is saying. We need to conform to the standards of the Bible. It is normally opposite to what the world is saying. The mindset of this world is when you need money, keep money, save it, spend less, grab every opportunity. But the mindset of the Bible says, God loves when we give. God loves us when we follow his word. Because the Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, I think it's in verse 8, that we need to obey the commandments so that we will have good success. So the mindset of the world is different from the mindset of what the Bible is saying. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The mindset of this world is before you go to sleep, you need to think, oh, is the safe in the office secured? The mindset of this world is, oh, tomorrow when I wake up, I need to call so-and-so, and I'm going to set this meeting. That's another money. But the Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The mindset of this world, oh, I have a good deal this coming Sunday. I'm going to earn 30,000. That's good. I don't get that in church. But the mindset of the Bible, forsake not the assembling or us going to church. Why? Because God said that if we seek him first, okay, he will meet all of our needs. Amen? Amen. Now, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Did you notice anything from this verse? You know what interests me? Is the devil is not a lion. But the Bible says he is like a roaring lion. The devil is out there. He's going to try to intimidate you. The devil is there. He's going to talk things that will make you afraid. You know what? The devil cannot touch you. Because you are the son and daughters of the living God. Unfortunately, bad things happen to us because what? We succumbed to the fear that the devil is putting in us. The devil will talk in front of your face and will tell you that you are not worthy. The devil will tell you that you are a failure. The devil will tell you there's nothing good in you. 
The devil will tell you that you are fat. The devil will tell you that you're ugly. Can you roar to your neighbor? You know what? I, re- I remember when, when I was on military training, we were just plebe. The officers would yell in front of our face. Why? Because they wanted to intimidate us. And once we are intimidated, we're out. They will yell at us, unauthorized bearing of ugly face. And if you're intimidated, what will you do? You will quit. And you know what? The devil is roaring in your face. The devil is telling you you're ugly. The devil is telling you you're no good. The devil is telling you you are not loved. You're good for nothing. But God is saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God is saying, I have loved you and I have died for you. Before you even knew me, I have loved you. That's what God is saying. Amen? Amen. Now, let me share with you a story of the story of Elijah. You know, one thing nice with the Bible, the story is not, the Bible is not does not have all the goody-goody stories. The Bible records a lot of people who failed in their lives. A lot of people who succumbed to sin, failures in life. A lot of people whose lives have been wasted, but when they turned back to God, God restored them. The Bible is full of stories of restoration. Why? Because the Bible focuses on Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the one that can restore us. No one else. So let's look at the story of Elijah. Elijah is one of the greatest prophets that ever lived on earth. In fact, Elijah... Probably his age now is about 3,500 or 4,000 years old because Elijah did not see death. Okay, he was caught up by a whirlwind into heaven. So a long time ago in the land of Israel, there was a king. His name was Ahab. And the Bible describes, describes Ahab as a wicked king, king who even provokes God into anger. And Ahab married a wife named Jezebel. Jezebel is a wicked witch. Okay, she has a controlling spirit or manipulative spirit. Although King Ahab is the one that rules over Israel, actually it was Jezebel on the background that she's actually manipulating her husband so that whatever she wants happens in the affairs of the nation. That's why you hear in some Christian circle the Jezebel spirit. Jezebel is a controlling spirit. Ahab is a henpeck 
or was a handpicked husband. Okay? Takot sa kanyang asawa. So that's, that's the relationship of Ahab and Jezebel. Because of wickedness, Ahab went to, uh, uh, Elijah went to, to Ahab and told him that there's going to be no rain for three years. If you recall during the time when we have drought here in the U.S., right, that drought is nothing from the drought that they had. Because at that time, they don't have big reservoirs for water. There was no rain. Literally, there was no rain for three years. And because of that, King Ahab was furious. He was mad. And what, what did Elijah did? He went on a self-exile because Elijah proclaimed judgment over Israel. So Elijah went to a brook near the river Jordan and he was alone. Unfortunately, he left his servant. You know, when God asks us to do something, God will always make sure that he will provide for everything. So when he went on a self-exile, the ravens would bring him cake. Okay? They call it, uh, some people call it bread. Okay? The ravens would bring food to Elijah every day. Okay? And then there is a brook that Elijah can drink water. Okay? So God supplied everything. He was secluded. He was alone. I think that's where Amazon got their business process. Right? Door-to-door delivery. In fact, Amazon will soon come up with the drone delivery. Okay? Once I put up my own company, it's going to be a raven delivery. Like that? Okay. However, because there was no rain for three years, the brook dried down, dried up. And the Lord spoke to Elijah and said, go back to the king. Okay, so when Elijah went to the king, the king blamed Elijah for everything that had happened. But Elijah said, no, it's not me. Because of our wickedness, because of this nation's wickedness, that's why we are experiencing a curse. So Elijah said, okay, why don't we gather all the people at Mount Carmel? And I wanted to have a general assembly with all the people in Israel. So Ahab and Jezebel have 800 prophets, 450 prophets of Baal and about 400 prophets of Assyria. So he challenged them. Okay, one of these days, or probably they, they set a time, we're going to know who is the real God. This is what we're going to do. You are going to set up an altar, put a bull or an offering on top of the altar, and then you will pray to your God so that your God will send fire on the burnt offering. Okay? And Elijah said, I will also do the same. And the God who will answer the burnt offering, uh, the God who will answer the, the, with fire is going to be the true God. So everybody agreed, okay, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. It's fair, right? So on the day, they put the uh, Ahab's prophets, put their offering on top of the table, similar to this one. And everybody prayed to their God. They were saying, oh, Baal, 
Oh, may I send the fire on our offering? And there was no answer. And Elijah started to ridicule them. Oh, come on, praise more. Because probably your God is sleeping. And he was praying, Oh, Baal, oh, Baal, send the fire from heaven. Oh, Baal. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. You know what? No matter what we do, if we are not praying to the right God, nothing will happen. Even if you are the brightest person here on earth, even if you're the one who can create a very nice city in Mars, and if you're not praying to the right God, nothing will happen. When evening came, Elijah said, it's my turn. They put the bull on top of the altar. And he said, you know what? Get water. Pour it on top of the offering. I will not pour on this laptop. <laughs> pour water on the offering. And it even filled the trenches. And Elijah prayed. God of Isaac, God of Abraham, God of Jacob, hear me so that these people will know that you are the true and only God. And immediately a fire from heaven fell on the offering and it consumed everything. God is an answering God. You pray to him once, God hears him, God hears us, and God will answer our prayer. God will answer our prayer, no matter how impossible the situation is. When we pray to God, God hears us. And God answered the prayer of Elijah. So everybody now believed that Jehovah God is the only God. And they started to prostrate themselves before the Lord. Isn't it a victory on the part of Elijah? Yes. Unfortunately, Ahab told Jezebel what happened. And Jezebel was furious. Jezebel said, tomorrow I will have this Elijah killed. I will have this Elijah killed. And when Elijah heard that, he ran for his life. He ran for his life. Imagine a prophet of God who just experienced the victory. One word from Jezebel started to run for his life. Do you think that leaders, pastors are immune from discouragement? Of course not. Hell no. Especially when you prepared your message and then only to find out everybody's sleeping. <laughs> right? Elijah was afraid, so he ran for his life. So when he ran for his life, he was alone 
And Elijah said, he went to Beersheba, and Elijah said, what's going on? I am alone. He started to hear, of the devil, you're alone. After a victory in life, after a praise report, do you hear a <laughs> Remember, First Peter says that the devil is like a roaring lion. He did not say the devil is a roaring lion. Siguro, the devil has postizo. When he bites you, you will just, you will not feel the pain. You will just get tickled. The devil is like a roaring lion. Why are we afraid sometimes? We have the lion of Judah. Jesus is the lion of Judah. The devil is a fake lion because he is just like a roaring lion. Amen? Amen? So Elijah prayed. He said, It is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Imagine, prophet whom God used to show the people who God really is, prayed to God, it is enough. Tamana, Lord. Take my life. I wanted to die. I am no better than my fathers. I am no better than anyone else. Take my life. Is that you? Lord, I'm so tired with all of these problems. Lord, I'm so tired with all of these issues in our family. Lord, I'm so tired about these issues in the office. Lord, I give up. Is that you this morning? You're not alone. Because the man of God said that to God, take my life. So, he was in Beersheba. He was hiding from Jezebel because he was afraid of his life. Let's take off from there. First Kings 19 verse 5. Then he lay and slept under a broom tree. You know, when you're depressed, what do you normally do? You, go, you lie down, right? You embrace your pillow. You embrace your stuffed toys, right? So during those times, they don't have a stuffed toy. So Elijah just lied down under the broom tree. Suddenly, an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Arise and eat. You know, in the Bible, they always refer food to the Word of God. 
when you are depressed, when you are experiencing anxiety or fear or failures or problems in life because your cell phone, your iPhone won't charge, the angel of the Lord is telling you right now, or God is telling you right now, arise and eat. Because when you're going through certain things in life, your spirit is starting to starve. And God is telling us right now, arise and eat. What are you eating this morning? Yesterday, my wife cooked a very nice pork sinigang. So when I was studying this one, every five minutes, I would, ar I would arise from where I'm doing <laughs> and go to the kitchen. And she was actually upset at me. Arise and eat. Nourish your spiritual life. I would encourage you, don't go to church conveniently. Go to church on a regular basis. Don't go to your small group because it's convenient. Go there regularly. Why? There's so much food when people gather together. Literally food, right? It's funny sometimes, uh, you know, in, in our Bible study in, in Eagle Rock. Oh, the Eagle Rock people are here. Okay. We have, we, sometimes we have a lot of food. So at the, de at the end of the Bible study, you know, they all have their Japanese dish, takehomi. Take home. Okay. You know what? The Bible is very, it's very easy to access right now. You have the Bible in your iPhones, right? You have the Bibles in your iPad. You have the book, the Bible. And the Bible is now outlined. It has concordance. It has topical notes. And yet, we are still tired of reading the Bible. The angel of the Lord even put the food by the pillow of Elijah. The Bible is being served to us already. And yet many of us are lazy to open it. No wonder when the devil <laughs> what you do is send a text message, Pastor, please pray because I'm going through something right now. My iPhone is not charging. <laughs> The food was laid by the head of Elijah. And he was lazy. When we are being, wake up, what do we do? We press the snooze of our alarm clocks. I remember, you know, every Sunday, my wife would cook food for us for the whole week. And sometimes it is frustrating for her when she comes back on a Friday, the food is still there on the refrigerator and then she will ask me, what did you eat? I said, nothing. Grabe ka naman, nandiyan ang pagkain sa refrigerator. 
No, hindi ko nakita eh. I didn't find it. Oh, familiar? Does it sound family? Because sometimes, I am mentally too lazy to look for the food in the fridge and just grab whatever I can see. Many of us are lazy even to open our Bibles and read the Word of God. Daily bread na lang babasahin ko. Daily bread is good. But folks, I would encourage you. There's nothing more important than the Bible. Tell your neighbor, don't be lazy. You know what? I would like to encourage everybody. There's so much nuggets in the Word of God. And you know, you know this is a challenge. Try it. Try it. Meditate on the Word of God. And you know what? The following day, and then you learn something from it, the following day, you will go back to it. It's just like saying, binabalik-balikan. When you like the food on the restaurant, why is it that many of you wants to go back to this Thai, Thai place, Thai restaurant, especially Pastor Insong? Because the food is nice. Right? If you tried, taste and see that the Lord is good, babalik-balikan mo yung binasa mo sa Bible. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Okay, are you, are you guys still awake? Okay. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake. Cake baked on coals and a jar of water. Imagine, home delivery. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Sarap ng buhay, right? Who likes this life? I will get up, eat, and then lie down again. Press the remote for the TV. Get up again. Eat. Wow. So it really tells us that Elijah is so depressed. He doesn't want to move a- anymore. He doesn't want to indulge himself with any activity. Because Elijah is depressed. So he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, which is the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave. You know, when you are depressed, the devil will always lead you into a cave. Because in the cave, it's dark and it's nice to sleep. Let's continue. And spent the night. Okay, he checked in into the hotel. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Depression always leads us in the cave. When you are in the cave, the reception is not good, even if you are using Verizon or T-Mobile. When you are in the cave, your reception to God is not good. Why? Because you don't see the goodness of God. What you see is the darkness in the cave. 
even if you are using a satellite phone. It's very difficult. And you know, when, when you are in the cave, a lot of things are brewing in the cave. A lot of bad things are growing in the cave because that's what the devil does. He brings you into the cave and roars like a lion and tells you that you are good for nothing and tells you that there's no hope for you and tells you that you are dying. Your cancer is going to cause you to die. Nobody loves you anymore. And these things are brewing in the cave. These things are brewing in the dark. Many things are brewing in the dark. And when darkness is exposed to the light, the devil runs away. That's why in the next verse, so he said, before we go to that, again, Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Turn down your altars and kill your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Lord, my family has abandoned me already. Lord, I am too sickly. I'm not earning that much anymore. Lord, nobody cares. The man of God who experienced the fire come down from heaven, suddenly is depressed and complaining before God, Lord, I serve you. Why is this happening to me? Why me, 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 me? Is it happening to you or just me? Just me. So he said, Lord, I am alone. Then he said, God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. God did not appear in earth, wind, and fire. God did not appear in earth, wind, and fire. There was thunder, there was a strong wind, and there was no voice from God. But when Elijah kept quiet, he heard still, small voice. Why is it that God does not talk to the thunder? Why is it that God was not in the earthquake? Why is it that God not in the wind. Because when you are experiencing failures in life, God will not yell at you. Do you know why God whispered to Elijah? Because
because Elijah was very close to God. You can only hear the whisper of God if you are close to Him. But if you are not close to God and you are looking for God in big places, you are looking for God in a mega church, you are looking for God in a grand Bible study group. God might not be there, but God will be on that still, small voice. You need to have that close relationship with God so that you will hear Him well. Because if you don't have that close relationship to God, you will not hear anything from It says here, and behold, the Lord passed by. In the Old Testament, twice the Lord passed by. God showed himself to Moses, showed his back. And with Elijah, he passed by. We don't need God to pass by. Why? Because when you got born again, God lives in your heart. The Bible says that know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the temple of the Holy Ghost is in your heart. Are you going through certain things in life? Are you going through some situations in life? Look what's in your heart. Look what's in your heart. So it was when Elijah heard it, and he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Many times the reason why we get so depressed is because we are not living in the purpose that God asked us to do. What are you doing here, Elijah? God will always redirect us to the purpose that he has for you. God will always redirect us because many times we are just going around wondering. But God will direct us in the purpose that he has for you. Serve, this one is a quote from my son. He texted me. Serve the purpose God has given you, not somebody else's. Because the moment you serve the purpose of other people, you will just get depressed. Amen. Amen. And he said, I am very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. 
because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. The devil wants you alone. The devil wants you to sing, Ang kawawang cowboy. Right? Sometimes we indulge in pity party. And that's what the devil wants. That's my boy. That's my boy. Kawawa ka naman. He was alone. He was so depressed. But God said, And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. If you recall, previously, when he went on self-exile, he left his servant. In here, God is asking him to anoint Elisha and anoint several people to become kings. The devil wants you to be alone. But the word, the Bible is telling us that let us not despise our fellow believers. Because when you are alone, your discipler, your disciple is there to help you up. God wants Elijah to be part of a small group. And what did God told him? Go back to work. Go see these people. Because you know, your story of depression will bless other people. God doesn't want you to be alone. God wants you to connect with a small group. God wants you to connect with somebody who, will, who can disciple you. God wants you to disciple other people. Because these are the very people who will lift you up. These are the very people who will pray for you. Pray with you. Hindi para mangutang. Right? But the very people who will support us. Who among you here are part of a small group? Who among you here are not part of a small group? I encourage you. I encourage you. It's always best to be part of a small group. Not only that you have good food, but you get good spiritual food. Amen? Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. God told him to go back to work. Because you know what? An idle mind is the playground of the devil. If you are not doing anything for God, the devil will use that as a ploy. Amen? Okay, a few more slides and we will end. Psalms chapter 42, verse 11. It's not Elijah who got depressed and discouraged. David at one point in his life got discouraged. 
When he wrote the Psalms, he said, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Are you carrying something? Hope in God. I will end with this testimony. During the dark years of my spiritual life, we moved to the U.S. My spiritual life was really not good. Okay, to a point where I wanted to separate from my family. To a point where I wanted to divorce my wife. I already told my children that, you know, one of these days I will probably start dating somebody or what, so on and so forth. I was away from God. My spiritual life was starving. I'm now in America. I got, I got the blessing of my life. The American dream. But I'm away from the Lord. One time I was caught in traffic. I felt so down. It was kind of heavy. And I have a good sound system in my car. I was playing some rock music. I think that was ACDC. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, it played worship song of Steve Cuban. You did not wait for me. The song says, to cry to you. But you clothe yourself with frail humanity. I started to cry. God appeared in that car when I was so down. It was the darkest moments of my spiritual life. And that changed my life. I did not hear God from a mega church, neither in CCF, neither in a TV evangelist, but I heard the voice of God in a still, small voice in that car when I started to worship and praise God. The Bible says, why are you so downcast, my soul? Put your hope in God, and yet I will praise you. Many times, we just sing worship songs for the heck of singing it. But you know, when your spirit starts to worship God, God will touch spirit and he will remove that depression from your life I know some of you this morning are going through certain things in life 
maybe it's not yet depression. You're in some sort of problems, financial issues, relationship issues, or probably you're at the verge of divorce. You're afraid of your future here in America. What's going to happen if Syria retaliates? What's going to happen if, if many fears? This morning, I am here to tell you that there is hope in God. Our hope is not in the government. Our hope is not in your job. Our hope is not in your bank account. Our hope is not in how good you are, but our hope should be in Jesus Christ. Our hope should be in Jesus Christ. If you feel like giving up, I don't know your situation. Approach us after the service and we will pray for you. We will pray for you. There's nothing wrong talking to God, sharing to God our problems. There's nothing wrong with that. God even wants that. I encourage you. Look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Psalms chapter 30, verse 11, and I am prophesying to everybody. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have put my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Your worries, your depression, your anxiety, your fear. Psalms 30 verse 11 says, you have turned, God has turned my mourning into dancing. It's going to be a good day once God touch our lives. Let us pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your words and we thank you for the things that we have learned this morning. Father, I pray for those who are going through certain things in life, for those who are depressed, to those who are suffering from anxiety, for those who are suffering from many challenges in their lives. God, I ask, Lord, that you whisper to us, just like what Elijah experienced, he heard you from that still, small voice. And as we go near to you, Father, Lord, I pray that you will deal with our issues and our problems, Lord God. Lord, we will not hope in anything else other than you. And help us to always hope in you, Father. Lord, we thank you. And I pray, Lord God, that this week is going to be a week of blessings. We will be a blessing to other people because other people will see in us your glory. We are going to be a beacon of light. We're going to be the salt of this earth. And thank you, Lord God, that you will lead us to somebody so that we can share our story. And that somebody who are experiencing certain difficulties in their lives, certain challenges, Lord, will also be blessed and eventually get to know you as your personal Lord and Savior. God, you are the God of restoration, and we believe that you're going to restore, Lord God, every broken relationship.
Lord, you're going to restore, Lord God, what the devil has taken. For we know, Lord God, that you are a good God. We thank you, Father, and we commit everything into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The offering box is at the back. Okay, so as the Lord uh, impress upon your heart, give with a cheerful heart. Thank you very much, and you're dismissed.